Hi, you're listening to the Your Brain Uncovered show with me, your host, Aya Tarabin. Today, we're going to be talking about the relationship between the food we eat and how our brains are wired. So, you know, for some people, um, no matter how much they try to eat healthy, when intense emotions surface, you know, overcoming food cravings seems impossible. Um, speaking of myself, I tend to, you know, reach out for comfort foods that would help me feel better just on the short term. And then I'd end up feeling down in the dumps later on. Uh, but yeah, that feeling of shame can be quite overwhelming. I mean, especially since we live in a, you know, a diet driven society where maintaining a healthy relationship with, uh, food is difficult, especially if it's used as a coping mechanism. But yeah, now why do some people turn to food when they're stressed while others don't? Our brains are really wired differently. Um, And uh, do you think, you know, maybe willpower uh, or the lack of it specifically um, can explain it? So, you know, um, there are are a bunch of neuroscientists at the Mount Sinai School of Medicine in uh, NY that uh, say that when we're truly stressed, the biological response should be not to, you know, not to eat because our body releases cortisol and it sends signals uh, to our brains that we're not hungry. But in our modern times, <laughs> we're often reared from a young age to use food to make ourselves feel better, you know? We eat not because we're hungry, but because we're signaling the reward systems of the brain. In other words, we're binging, we're overeating because it releases neurochemicals that make us temporarily feel better. So yeah, now you might ask yourself, well, okay, if I'm an emotional eater, is my brain wired then differently, you know? Um, emotional eaters um, were said to have a heightened response in their dopaminergic um, system. So this is the group of nerves originating in the midbrain, which are responsible for the brain's reward system. Um, and yeah, it was suggested that when emotional eaters are primed with negative emotions and then eat, they think the food actually tastes better, indicating that their reward system is prone to react positively to food when they're stressed. And so yeah, food becomes a tool for self-medication that releases dopamine in the brain. You know, it's similar to what happens when someone uses a drug of abuse. Um, yeah, that's quite unfortunate, but you know, after that initial even period of euphoria, people feel guilty, which is even worse because they regret binging and it becomes a vicious cycle of binging, regret, and then diet restriction. And yeah, that's detrimental both to our mental and physical health. So yeah, food is a popular, you know, mechanism for coping because it's so easily accessible because, you know, it's so socially acceptable. So while getting high or taking a shot or two at a party may kind of result with judgment, um, reaching for a cupcake or a bowl of chips, um, I think is more socially defensible. Am I right? So yeah. And, um, oh, let's, let's have uh let's head to a nurture versus nurture um debate here so you know emotional eating have you has it ever crossed your mind whether it was genetic or environmental um you know i well, obviously just like most things it's both it's uh, both environmental and genetic for some of us our environment can be highly detriment- detrimental because of you know over processed foods with high amounts of added sugar um yeah impossible to avoid and so and but and as well you know some of us do have more of a propensity for emotional eating because it's triggered by our environment so yeah that does play a huge role while 
uh, also on the other side there are some genetics involved so emotional um emotional eating leans much more towards environmental factors um you know the availability of unhealthy foods coupled with stressors of everyday life that can trigger overeating and regret uh you know but some people who might not have had social anxiety about you know any situation that would trigger it do um have genetic factors that contribute to it so i don't know if you've uh ever heard of subclinical levels of anxiety uh this is by the way the most common it's one it's uh there's like a constant presence um of anxiety for no absolute no reason in the backdrop of someone's life and uh, people tend to medicate with this uh using food you know uh you know actually in uh in a journal of psychiatry uh it, it was found that you know uh, there was a study finding that there were 53 like 53% of the adults in the UK reported that uh, the coronavirus outbreak has practically um, negatively impacted um, uh, their relationship with food. So it kind of exasperated overeating as a coping mechanism. 53%. So yeah, that's a lot. Um, another very interesting study, this was done by Joanna Stainglass. she's an associate director of the Eating Disorder Research Clinic um, at a psychiatric institute, and she says that, you know, there's a lot that we don't know about mechanisms behind emotional eating, so yeah, uh, we know about uh, uh, all of the hormones that are involved in eating and stopping eating, but we know far less about its social and emotional components you know we understand what feeding looks like in animal models and why do why do they do it but so far it's, it doesn't seem like we understand much about it in humans so yeah now food is a natural reward because we need it to live but presumably there's also more complex behaviors serving the reward system of the brain you know food can provide a very personal reward just by its psychological associations and when this rewarding behavior is reinforced time and time again it becomes a habit and moves to another you know part of the brain so research has shown that the basal ganglia located in the brain cerebrum is associated with habit formation so when behaviors get repeated enough and become overtrained they're just you know turn something automatic and they're not even connected with the initial reward to begin with so in other words the behavior becomes more connected to its trigger than to the outcome so for example all right um you've uh, if every time you're stressed um you know at university you go and you go and grab um you know um uh, a bag of piggy blankets down from tesco and even when you really don't need them and you're you're still likely to eat it because you've practically trained your brain that okay every time i feel this in a state of stress i'll get the stack so it's 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 a it's a trained coping mechanism emotional eaters become you know um more prone to train their brains in all healthy manners as you can say uh so yeah we think less about the outcome and more about the stressful circumstances that set it off and it's just like a neural itch and you just want to get rid of it in any way possible so yeah now obviously um in the sum of it all emotional eating is still largely mysterious so we don't know why some of us eat to cope and others don't but we're kind of on the way to you know find out how we can use our willpower um to you know better handle a situation um 
no one knows. I mean, it can either be about, as we mentioned, deep-seated emotional coping mechanisms or our brain's very unique reward system, you know? Um, but yeah, or even whether as children, you know, we were unknowingly groomed to eat comfort foods when we were sad. Uh, <laughs> we were just conditioned. So yeah, so next time, okay, you beat yourself up over a piece of cake <laughs> um, or maybe french fries, just give yourself a break. You know, the reasons behind it may go far deeper than just your ability to say no. So be kind to yourself. Anyways, thank you so much for listening. Um, to this episode and most importantly thank you for your interest in science i'll be talking to you very soon bye